Now then, welcome back to At The Gates Of Pop Culture with me, your host, Rare Eddie One, and welcome back. Before we kick off tonight's show... Viewer discretion is advised. Now, as me and my friends have just wandered down to the garden at the gates of pop culture, the pop culture garden, we are sad to see that the gates are locked, firmly locked, with turrets of, of guns around the whole garden. And we look in, we look into the gates, and we see there's other little gates within the in this garden. There's other little gates. There's some the gates have been blown open. Some there's one gate that we continue to look at because it brings us hope and joy. And this gate it does have battle damage, but it's being guarded by the one and only Sir Ian McKellen and the one and only Peter Jackson. And this is the gates to the Lord of the Rings. It looks like it's they've just fought off another attack from the Rings of Power crew. They it looks like their heads are uh, sunken, looking looking at the phones. They're probably trying to me to someone. And it looks like they're gonna sulk into their little little corner. Because no one really visits the rings of power corner in that garden. It's it looks like a, it looks even more worse than the whole garden itself. Um, but Peter Jackson and Sir Ian McKellen can hold their heads up high. They have saved the Lord of the Rings yet again. And as we look over, there is a few of our fallen brothers and sisters in that garden continue to be teabagged and fingered by the likes of Harvey Weinstein and and all these horrible people in the Hollywood and the entertainment industry. Um, have it, it does look like Harvey Weinstein and his close personal assistant who's sort of leading a Star Wars film or TV show. I can't quite remember. I'm, I'm not going to watch it. Well, I probably, probably will because it's going to be fucking dog and uh, I can't wait for it. Uh, but they they continue to finger our fallen brothers and fi- sisters, and uh, you know it's it's a sad sight to see. But yet yet again we we look over, and oh no, don't do it! Don't what are you doing, Kathleen Kennedy? What what are your little minions doing to Ian, Indiana Jones and and uh, George Lucas? It it, it uh, folks, it looks like a whole load of. Um, Kathleen Kennedy, these minions have pinned down George Lucas in Indiana Jones, and it looks like oh no, don't you put what's she pulling out of her purse? She's pulling out this big black thing, and she she she's skipping the fingering stages, and she's going for the absolute absolutely bad fisting stage. Oh oh my oh, oh I can hear Indy scream and George scream and. Uh, and no one's help helping them. Oh, I just look away and then I've I've just seen the one, the only Russell Dickhead Davis. Oh, sorry, I've done it again. Russell T Davis. He's completely run up to a woman in a wheelchair, pushed her out of it, and shouted, "Tough, tough!" Uh, he keeps shouting, "Tough!" Uh, oh, don't. Oh, oh my god. It, Oh my God, it looks like he's had a penis baby. Oh, uh, uh, and of course, he's, he's giving birth to the 15th Doctor. <laughs> and they're both shouting tough now. 
No one's helping them because older people in here in this garden are sick degenerates. You do get the odd, you know, you do get the 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 odd um, character in here that's sort of being left alone. Um, but it's a hellhole. It's it's full of degenerates and horrible woke idiots. And you know, oh, oh Stephen, what are you doing? Oh no, I've. Oh, don't you leave E.T. alone. You leave E.T. alone. Oh, my God. Oh, no. Oh. It looks like the spaceship from Close Encounters of a Fair Kind has just landed to try and save E.T. But Stephen and his minions have pinned each and every one of these be of our favourite characters down and they're, it looks like they're all fingering oh, the poor, the poor innocent aliens oh oh no oh oh my oh though it's such a sad sight oh don't what uh one of our brothers here is just trying to climb the fence again oh you you saw what happened last time he's got on top of the fence it doesn't look like he's, he want it doesn't look like he's trying to jump in it it looks like he's throwing he's trying to throw something to et what's he oh oh god <laughs> It looks like um, Harvey Weinstein's personal assistant is assisting Harvey Weinstein to uh, bump him up to put... Oh, my God, he's just pulled him down. He's just pulled him off the wall. Oh, oh no. Harvey's teabagging him and is a close personal assistant. He's fingering. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh. oh, it's a sad day at the gates of pop culture. We are going to have to walk away and hopefully something happens. Hopefully a rescuer, hopefully someone like an Elon Musk comes and rescues some of our favourite IPs. I did, I, I would just walked away, but I did see James Bond in there and it looked like he was getting fingered by a piece of broccoli. Um... Anyway, I hope you like that little intro. Hope you enjoy that little intro. If you are new here, I like to do this sort of intro. I don't, I sort of have a little rehearsal, but I don't sort of plan it out. I do it from, I do whatever pops into my mind at the time. So if you think you can do better, if you think you've something you want me to add, let me know. All my, the ways of getting in contact with me are in the show notes or the description of this video. Um, I do put this out everywhere at once, so whatever podcast provider you are listening to, it's there everywhere. And if you want to watch it on YouTube or Rumble, it, it's they go out straight away each and every time. Um, unlike many other podcasts, where I just that's that's mainly a podcast, and um, all the all the podcast providers get that straight away rather than me putting it on uh, Rumble and, and YouTube. But it does go on there. But but for this, this goes out everywhere um, for you guys to watch along, listen along, whatever you do. If you are watching on YouTube or Rumble, please give me a like and please think about subscribing to me. That would be absolute awesome. That would be legendary. You guys are absolute legends and I try. I wouldn't try not to swear. You know, uh, I do have a c button if I need to swear, um, but I don't want to swear in the first ten minutes. Um, other than that, I will. I probably will swear later on in this episode. Um, but if you are listening, 
if you are listening on whatever podcast provider you are listening to, please hit that follow button and please leave me a review. Um, like I say, I will put all the ways of getting in contact with me in in the description of the video or the show notes. Um, today, I am going to be having a drink. It's probably one of my favourite drinks at the minute, strawberry and lime Copperberg. Um, I'll crack this open and we can kick off with tonight's show um, at the gates of pop culture. Uh, I've got no fingernails at the minute, so here we go. Oh, I do like a strawberry lime Copperberg. Delicious. Absolute, absolute delicious. Right, something, something did pop up on my phone and it's gone. <laughs> um, but anyway, I've got a few buttons. I have a button. Hopefully I don't have to use it. Um, but I do have really bad dyslexia. Um, so reading, when it comes to the reading uh, phases. So if you guys want to play a game, if you guys want to try and wind me up, that'd be awesome. But if you want to play a game and um, for whenever I muck up, whenever I mess up, and that button has to be used, have a shot. And uh, if, if anyone... Um, can uh, tag, make something funny out of that, I will send you something in the post. Um, but anyway, let's kick off with tonight's show. I'm going to put myself in the corner. You guys listen, you're like, what the f- is he talking about? Um, like I say, I do film these, and I'm going to put myself in a little corner, and we can have a look at some of the news. I will see you in a second. Nailed it. Here we are. We are at Screen Rant and we are going to kick off with Doctor Who. It's, let's face it, folks, this is no longer Doctor Who. This is Doctor Nick. Sorry, I've just burped there. I, I don't mean to. Um, before I start, actually, um, I want to do less editing on this. I, um, I want this to be more authentic and more real. And so there's got, there's going to be minimal editing editing in this um um so yeah you will get my and uh you will get you you will get me messing up and reading words wrong and and all that um but let's have fun have a pen in hand and a drink in hand and let's we are and uh we're gonna kick off we're gonna have a good old fashioned um <laughs> anyway so here we are we are screen rant and we are talking about Doctor Who. This show isn't Doctor Who anymore. Um, this is... Can you really call it Doctor Who? I, I'm I'm starting to call this Doctor Nick. At least Doctor Nick was a bit of fun. Um, this is not no longer fun. This is no longer entertaining. This is message, um, political, ideological, um, shoved down your throat... Um, when it's wokeness at its best, and the BBC are are, are are the masters of woke. This is no longer a sci-fi show as well. This is more a fantasy show. And that's coming from Russell Dickhead Dave. I've done it again, Russell T Davis. But so let's the the headline is it's fine without me. Former Doctor Who showrunner sets a record straight about potential return. I don't think it's fine without you, mate. Uh, 
I like Stephen Moffat. I, I, I'm again. I am not a huge Doctor Who fan. Um, I, I like Stephen Moffat. Um, I loved him when he did Coupling. I absolutely probably one of my favourite shows um, from the BBC. Um, um, but he's um, is is having to play the game. He's having to play the woke game, and uh, being. Yeah, because there's an article I'm going to pull up in a minute, which we'll see he's playing the woke game. Um, but former, let's continue with this um, this horrible screen rant article. Former Doctor Who showrunner Stephen Moffat reveals whether there is any chance of him contributing to the series once more in the future. Uh, former... Uh, I, I don't get screen rants sometimes, I really don't. Um, former Doctor Who showrunner reveals his honest answer of, to the chances of him returning to the series. Moffat began his involvement in the franchise. I had a bit of a brain fart there. Involvement in the franchises between the classic series Conclusion and its revival in 2005 um, and would join the production uh, production of Christopher Eccleston's series as a writer once showrunner Russell T uh, Russell Dickhead Davis sorry <laughs> I did it again um, and I'm not I'm not gonna and I'm not gonna correct myself he is Russell Dickhead Davis exited Moffat led Doctor Who from 2010 to 2017 overseeing Matt Smith's 11th Doctor 10 year its 50th anniversary and Peter Capaldi's 12th Doctor era now Davis is back as showrunner and is and has overseen the up-and-coming Doctor Who season 14 which I don't think anyone out actually out out there likes what Doctor Who has turned into. It all sort people are saying it it's sort of started with Capaldi's um to coming to the end of Capaldi's run. And then it it got even worse when uh, that other little dickhead um started to be a showrunner and he brought the doctor to to her primal form and the the woman doctor. <sighs> oh dear. Throw out Davis. Uh, where I've lost myself. Uh, Moffat has firmly ruled himself out of return of a return to Doctor Who when speaking to the Radio Times, another shill uh, publication for the BBC. Um, the writer states that despite the speculations for certain quotes and social media posts, he has no plans to return. Check out Moffat's response below. Look at my aging face. How can I fit in? And I know because I've seen the feedback that people think I'm being elusive on the subject, the truth is, if I say anything negative about Doctor Who, 
it goes everywhere, like boom, everywhere, right? It doesn't exactly bring, bring joy to the world that I just say something negative about Doctor Who. The fact is, the fact is, it's fine without me. So, with him saying that, so um, Will of the Fans, a great follow on YouTube, great follow, um, put this out and he did a video of it, a great video, um, saying he, he thinks that he and I think the same as well. I think um, Stephen Moffat has something negative to say about the show, but he doesn't want to put it out there because even if he says something negative, like, you know, the writing could be improved, it seems to him like maybe the internet will overblow it, um, will pull it way out of proportion. Um, but it does sound like he's got something negative about uh, negative to say about what has happened to Doctor Who. Now, apparently, he did reply to Will the fans, and... Um, in, he he said he said in his, I can't quite I'm just going off the top of my head. Um, if you want to check that video, go check that video. It's a good video. It, it released today, the uh, maybe yesterday. Um, but go check it out. It's definitely interesting. But he replied to him on on X or Twitter, whatever you want to call it, saying that oh he 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 loves the show it is and he just you know there's nothing negative about what he can say about it god check that video out it's a great video um but i think i think he has something negative to say about the show um i really do think he's got some something negative to say about this the show within his first season of doctor who moffat set his goals for the series with a fairy tale um esque tone um from the moment the eleventh doctor crash landed into young um Amelia, Amelia Pond's garden shed Moffitt's take on the Time Lord shone through as audience saw the Doctor as a legendary figure. There's both part two Moffitt and Matt Smith. Matt Smith was Matt Smith wouldn't be as big today if he hasn't if he wasn't the doctor. Um this is it's it's such a anomaly this sort of thing happens when two things collide together, Matt Smith and Doctor Who collide together and they bring something absolute amazing. Matt Smith wouldn't be anything without Doctor Who, and Doctor Who wouldn't be anything without Matt Smith. Yeah, people say David Tennant, you know, uh, took it to new levels, but I think this was something else. This was something magical. And the BBC, and, well, the BBC and Disney, because Disney have um, some uh, creative input to this show now, whether you whether you you want to continue to bury your head in the sand, the truth is Disney do have creative input with this show. Um, sorry to tell you, um, grow up and fucking um, deal with this. Um, I am I'm starting to swear now. I'm probably going to be out of this drink in a minute. Um, 
But um, them two just created something absolute, absolute beautiful, absolute stunning and beautiful. And if Matt Smith hadn't have done this, I don't think he would be as, as big as he is today. Um, and vice versa, I don't think Dot Who would have gone to the places it did. Um, but, yeah, that's that's my thoughts on it. Um, I think, I do think Moffat has something to say about it. I'm not going to continue the article. It's, a, it's, it's Screen Rant. Why, would, why the fuck would I want to continue this article? The, the Screen Rant, you get one of these. Uh, I'll... I'll throw one of these for you, fucking absolute knobheads. Um, but yeah, um, the other one I wanted to do, this is why I, I say, this is why I'm saying, um, if it'll do it, it's not doing it, why aren't you doing it? Let me uh, see if I can force it into something. There we go. Um, Nothing ever works how I want it to work. Anyway, uh, this is... So I say um, Stephen Moffat is playing the woke idiot games um, because in Collider... Oh, well, we're going to Radio Times. Um, Doctor Who's Stephen Moffat on Shooty Gower. He's going to be magnificent. Is he talking about the kilt or the skirt? Because um, it was a skirt. It's not a fucking kilt. Um, is he talking about that? Um, is he going to, talking about it? He's going to be mag magnificent. Um, how about the fact that is they are gonna as much as they can force every white person off this show? Mainly Gibson comes to mind. Um, sounds very progressive to me, you know. Um, and diversity and all that, um, that they're, they're forcing white people out. You know, diversity really isn't their strength, is it? Div what they mean when they, say, when they say diversity, they all they mean is less white people. And it's showing. It's showing they're changing history or they're trying to change history. We've seen it with Anne Boleyn. They did it in this very show. They changed the, um, they changed um, Sir Isaac Newton into an Indian descent. They're, they're trying to force a change of history. Uh, we're not going to learn from history. We're really not. We're going around in circle. And uh, I, I do, but I do think that racism is going to firmly um, come back. But it's not going to come back to how how it was in the past. It's going to come back against white people because racism towards white people is up, and it's and no one says anything about it because it's okay to be racist towards white people. Doctor Who's not fun anymore. So is is this hasn't been fun since um, the the woman Doctor. Um, and so we're going to have a look at something that was absolute fun. Absolute, absolute banging TV show. <sighs> absolute banging TV show. Absolute bloody awesome. And that is Reacher. 
Screen Rant again. Um, Reach It, season two. Fantastic. Not quite good. Sorry. Not quite as good as um, season one, but it was very, very entertaining, very fun, very story was fantastic. Um, and it was it was a really good, good watch. Again, not quite good, not quite as good as season one, but it was pretty good. It was pretty good. And the numbers are... Uh, phenomenal for uh, Amazon Prime. I'd only wish they'd learn from this and uh, scrap <laughs> Rings of Power 2 off. But Screen Rant, you absolute <coughs> bellend. Um, Reach your season three must drop one recurring trope. I did a video to this in the week. If you want to go check it out, please do. Um, so a recurring trope to fix a toxic character trait. Ah, oh, put a little bit more soy in your coffee. Um, Jack Reacher's adventure will continue and reach a season three, but the future installments need to leave one of his toxic traits behind. I wonder if they'd be calling this toxic if it if this happened if Reacher happened to be gay, Reacher happened to be a woman. Or, you know, one of their fancy um, LGBT people. I wonder if they'd be calling it toxic then. Of course they wouldn't be calling it toxic. They'd be praising it here, there and everywhere. This is why no one trusts the media anymore. This is why no one trusts the media. Because you're just... You're just... Horrible people. Horrible people. Um, and how well we are, we're seeing it where where the companies, at, um, media outlets are laying off people here, there, and everywhere. And it, I, I go learn to code, I suppose. Um, but anyway, reach it season three. Uh, future installed installment needs to leave one of his toxic traits behind. Sorry, I just I realized I've just read that. Um, long before the uh, the 110th Special Investigation Unit um, succeeded in seeking revenge for their murdered teammates in the Reacher Season 2 finale, um, production of its sequel had already been quietly progressing. Alan Richardson, or is it Richardson? I'm going to say Richardson has been consistently sharing images and videos from Reacher Season 3 albeit carefully not to spoil any major plot points, while also promoting a, a sophomore year of the project. Um, Amazon Prime uh, video re uh, renewing Reacher shouldn't be a big surprise since debuting 22 Richson version of the formerly military hobo, um, military police turned hobo, has been one of the streaming platform's biggest show thus far. Despite stepping into the shoes of character previously worn by Tom Cruise, can you really call it Reacher? Can you really call it? I love, I, I do like Tom Cruise, but can you really call them, them Reachers? Uh, what a 
on the big screen, the small screen iteration is more beloved considering that it keeps many of Jack's hallmark hallmark traits from the novels. Um, so, um, let me, I'll, I'll continue and I'll give you my thoughts. As interesting and noble as he is, however, there's one specific character tendency that Nick Sant- Santora created series needs to drop from its much-anticipated season three. No, do not drop that trait. Do not drop it. Keep it as authentic to the book as possible. It's not toxic masculinity that he 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 sleeps with, you know, it's not like he's sleeping with seven different women within the show. No, he's, he's, he has a connection with Roscoe and, um, oh, what's her name? I know it says it in this article. Um, and uh, Dixon. Um, but, yeah, it's he, he gets connected to them. He has a connection to them. And it's not like it's it's a connection, and you know, it's it is what it is. They they're connected together, and they know his lifestyle. They know he's gonna he's gonna hobo off. Um, do do they wish they could change him? Yes. Is this a toxic trait? No. This is just a man sleeping with a woman. And then he'll he'll go to another city and this man who has no connection with the previous woman will sleep with another woman. And when I say connection, I, I mean he's no longer connected to him. Will he speak to him? Yes, maybe. Um but it's not like he it's not like he's trying to settle down with him. No, he's is is a single guy. And it's quite, and looking at it, it's actually quite um, inspiring to see this sort of behaviour. Um, he's not he's not sleeping with anyone. He, he built a connection between, it's not like as soon as he meets Roscoe or Dixon, he jumps straight into bed with them. No, they build a relationship together. They build a connection together. And then, you know, one thing after another, they end up in bed. And it's, that's quite a, um traditional is quite a um it's a nice thing to see you, you know all the woke political people who hate that but they're they're fine with you know a woman uh, sleeping with 10 different guys um she hulk they're fine with that so if they're calling this behavior toxic were they calling she hulk's behavior toxic no <laughs> no they wasn't they wasn't was they was they they wasn't. Um, that only just popped in my head. I'm glad it did because I was going off on a bit of a weird tangent. Um, I don't think this is behaviour and this was toxic at all. If anything, the person behind this article is a toxic, soy fueled person. Um, and I'm not going to read out their name to give them any sort of credit. Um <laughs> uh, well done me uh, um, but um 
they weren't calling She-Hulk's behaviour toxic, were they? I think I've made my point very clear and actually not a bad point. Um, there'll be a lot of people out there that disagree with me and yeah, go suck it. Um, but anyway, this guy, I'm going to click on this because this guy doesn't like the way Reacher has gone. Um, it's another good article, though. This guy at Forbes, Eric Kane, is probably full of soy as well. Don't you think shows like Reacher and The Walking Dead deserve better? <laughs> what the fuck? Now, maybe The Walking Dead, because that um, seasons one to four, and then it sort of stagnated, and then it got a little bit better towards the end. I, I've watched all the way through. In the middle, when Negan came into it, you, you could sort of say it, it picked up a little bit. Um, there's the scene in my head where this it's right in the middle, but there's a scene in my head where I'll, always, I will remember, and it's probably one of the greatest scenes The Walking Dead has ever done, but you, I rarely see it. It's where Rick, Michonne, and Carl are separated, and they're 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 on the train tracks, and they get they get caught by uh, some scum, and and uh, Rick is on his knees, and is and he just turns around and bites that guy in the balls. Uh, uh, oh, it's oh my god! It's incredible scene, incredible scene. I probably butchered it. Uh, but that's how I, I uh, think of it. Um, I may have to try and... F I'm not going to re-watch The Walking Dead. It's far too long and there's far too many episodes that could really just be left out. Um, there's some good episodes of some really top quality episodes in it, but there's... Yeah. And so I could get that with that. But Reacher's... I, I don't get your point with Reacher. And plus, it's it's... I think it's quite far down here where he, he talks about the Reacher. It's mainly it's mainly a Walking Dead article, um, but he doesn't like Reacher at the minute. Um, yeah, um, a, a decent paragraph to to Reacher now. More so, I'll I'll read it, the Reacher article, uh, paragraph now. More recently, Reacher. And Fargo and True Detective, I find myself in the same rocking boat. So, yeah, he's he had he he has had a problem with Reacher. Um, Fargo, I've never watched. True Detective, I've never watched. Um, I heard True Detective season one is absolute some of the best TV out there. I may give that a watch, but um, there's far too much on my plate. Um, watching wise but at, at the receiving end of much sorry let me read that again at the receiving end of much dismay and anger all of which I've come to expect Reacher went from superb first season to a truly atrocious second i dis i 100 disagree with you on that one 
the super fans defend it as just dumb action. No, it's not. It's a. It's actually pretty good. And is we is that season was was awesome. Quite, I I imagine it's relatively cheaper to film than whatever Disney Plus is putting out, and quite probably cheaper than what a Walking Dead um, uh, episode would cost. Um, but that's about it. That's all he says. Um, he goes on blaming that the old the fans are are toxic <laughs> for hating that he doesn't like season two. No, I think you're just a dickhead. Um, but anyways, <laughs> um, on that so on that news and talking about how woke Disney and how horrible Disney Plus is, a federal judge. So this is NPR, fucking NPR. You get one of them as well. Um, a federal judge dismisses Disney lawsuit against Florida government, uh, Governor Ron DeSantis. So. I'm not going to get fully into this. There's better people out there. Legal mindset, Rick, uh, Rick, Rick, uh, there's a hell of a lot of better people out there who know what's going on with this. But for, as I'm aware, um, uh, Disney had a lawsuit because Ron DeSantis is pulling, um, all of Disney's special tax cuts. They receive, um, he's pulling all of them, so they have a level playing field. So they they have to compete with Universal and other parks in in Florida, um, because by sounds of it, Disney were having their cake and eating it too, with all their special privileges they got. And the only reason, and this really, really all sort of kicked off, was when Disney came out. Disney, a family friend, a supposedly family friendly company, came out against that Florida um, bill where all the top celebrities are saying it's the don't say gay bill. You fucking retards. That bill was, um, that bill was, um, so no one can teach any child um under the under a certain age but they they can't um, teach these children sex or out and they're saying and these celebrities are fucking thick as fuck um are saying oh it's don't say gay bill because it's mainly aimed at the um teachers who are trying to get their all their kids into the trans um so this is actually so thinking about it earlier today this even says so if i know there isn't but let's just think of it so let let us get us into a let us get us at, let me get my head into a leftist area oh oh I, i've got to drink this soy cup of coffee oh it's too oh it's too spicy Oh, I'm a I'm a, a vavem. Oh, <laughs> oh, that's not bad, is it? Oh, I'm a vavem. Oh, so ah, so my my child is a a vavem. They they um they don't consider himself a boy. Um, and I would rather you um give them pronouns and respect their pronouns. 
Now, could you imagine if that that weirdo's little um, teacher was a straight guy or a straight woman, and they're trying to turn their that oh my my child they've um, into a straight kid. This bill prevents that very thing. These these idiots on the left are just fucking pure idiots. Basically, that bill, that don't say gay bill, um, was to prevent anybody from um, taking advantage of children, whatever sexual preferences they have. Um, but celebrities and dickheads and, you know, pedos. Um, well, don't say gay bill. No, no, I think it's the Florida Florida Act or the Florida Bill against um, teachers. Oh, I can't quite think of the bill. Let me know if you, um, I don't want to, but it's basically that don't say gay bill, which it isn't. It's, I think it's the Florida against um, parents against um, sexualizing their children without their consent. <sighs> Fucking assholes. Um, and but it does look like Disney have appealed this um, the judge who thrown it out of court. I don't think it's going to end well. <laughs> And that's not the only lawsuit Disney are going against. This, there's another law. <laughs> this is how woke, how stupid this company is. They are currently being, Disney is currently being sued by 9,000 women saying they weren't pay right. And these are the people, Disney are the people saying, oh, equal this, equal that, equal rights here, equal rights there. And they're being sued by 9,000 women. I hope you people on the left are whole proud of your Disney, you fucking scumbags. Um, but anyway, I'm going to, like I say, there's better people on YouTube or, or on um, um, whatever podcast you provider you listen to. There's better people who know these um, that go into all this and they will do a hell of a better job than what I just did. I hope that was a little bit entertaining for you. If not, skip it. Um, but anyway, so we are going to go to the Suicide Squad. The Justice League actually disrespected Arkham and Batman. Um, but the Suicide Squad has had some issues. Um, Kill the Justice League actually uh, disrespected Arkham's Batman. Again, I'm not too familiar on this game. I've heard the backlash. I've heard, I've heard um, the people behind this game actually said this was Kevin Conroy's um, last appearance as Batman. And then they realised, shit, <laughs> one above us realized shit we need to do something and they come out and said no it's not it's not that's a lie um there's parts of this game that was released and it was all buggy 
and I'm pretty sure people got $30 back um, because that's how bad the game is. Um, but that's I don't think that was the article I wanted to read. Uh, a lot of these uh, reviews... Um, Yeah, these are just old reviews. Um, I don't really want to read read the any re, the reviews, um, but it's not doing well. I, um, I think my computer has maybe had an update because I did have an article down there. Oh, oh, fucking, I'm such a dickhead. It's here. <laughs> oh, my God, I'm a fucking dickhead. Um, I'll have a drink for that. New Suicide Squad video game struggles as multiplayer as a multiplayer shooter. The market is oversaturated with um, service games... And many players now perceive them as clinical crash grabs. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. So Suicide Suicide Squad as a service. Over the last few months, Warner Brothers Discovered Inc. has um, signaled that its video game division plan plans to uh, permanently focus on games as a service. Um, that is games that can be monetized for months and even years after initial release. In November, earning call, uh, earnings call, chief executive um, David Zaslav um, Zavlav said the company planned to take its biggest franchise and add more more always on gameplay what more always on gameplay through live services that sentence doesn't make any sense uh, multi-platform and free to play extensions they're they're trying to they're trying desperately to go down the fortnite route let me quickly check the time right Sounds to me they're trying to go down the Fortnite route. Um, at la uh, the latest example of this business plan is Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League, which came out Friday. I think this is a, an old article. or February, no, it's not an old article. So it came out um, Friday. Um Developed by London-based studio Rocksteady, this Suicide Squad game was greenlit years before Zavloff took charge of Warner Brothers, but it's exactly what he's looking for, an online multiplayer shooter with cosmetics, microtransactions and content planned for at least the next year. I don't think this game has been received well. I could be wrong. Um, again, I've not really looked into this. Um, it's not my cup of tea, this game. Um, the only Batman game I have played was the VR one. 
Um, that was okay. Um, but it's it's not for me, I don't think, this game. Plus, it, it, it absolutely looks absolutely terrible. This game looks terrible. I, I was looking at pictures and, and videos the other day, and it just looks fucking shit. It looks shit. Um, but, you know, I hope Warner Brothers this, this makes um, more microtransactions, and, uh, yeah, um, I don't think it will. I think this this game will fail. Um, if it does, I'll I will have another can of, of uh, I'll have a bigger can of this. Um, but I just wanted to touch on on the the drama and that is uh, the new Suicide Squad video game. Um, but let's go back to the um. The Forbes article, does Suicide Squad kill the Justice League actually disrespect Arkham Batman? I think it does. Um, well, obviously, Suicide Squad kills the Justice League is about killing the Justice League. There is one potential death that has had everyone unsettled or angry. The idea this is how Arkham Batman, whom we've played over the course of three games will meet his end in this universe and that it's also Kevin Conroy's Conroy's I think I said I think I said a different name earlier um final uh, final performance which they have tried to come out and say no it's not as he as the famed Batman voice actor the actor sadly passed away late 2022 there is actually one more animated screen on screen performance coming, it turns out. No, they desperately, desperately see if we could find something um, because they said this was his last appearance as Batman, but they realized how disrespectful they, they did him in this game. And they're like, shit, we need something to to help us uh, um they needed something to help them and yeah it's uh, we'll we'll see what happens um but now that I've, so this guy he's played the game played through the game including all the batman stuff i think i can comment on whether or not it fe this feels disrespectful to conroy uh, or Arkham Batman in general. Obviously, spoilers are going to follow, but if you're curious how this plays out or want to discuss what you've played in early access, you can follow along. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to read the spoilers. Um, if I may have no one listening to this or watching this. I may have two people... I'm not going to spoil the game for you. You, you. If you enjoy the game, you enjoy the game. If you don't enjoy the game, don't. Um, that is what it is. I love stuff that everyone hates. I like Batman versus Superman. <laughs> I don't know why it's a crap film, but I liked it. Uh, I like Paul Black Mall Cop. Or, yeah, I like that. <laughs> I absolutely like that film. 
Um, I like playing Fortnite. Zero build. Um, yeah. Um, and on this final, final, and on this, on my final topic, I like to end out on this sort of thing. It puts us in a bit of a happier place um, to to end the show. Um, so we are here again at the sun. Oh God, not the sun, <laughs> but Comic Cash, the 15, 15 rarest and most valuable comics worth between four hundred and five point three million. Do you have one of these in your attic? I doubt anyone's got one of these in their attic. But I thought I'd, I'd like this sort of stuff. Um, so you'll want to keep an eye out for any rare comics. Ice and Baby. That's going to be a rare comic soon. I, I don't mean that. It's, it's the one I've got. It, it's signed. It's in. It's been... Uh, valued at 9.8 i guess that's going to be quite rare um in one days and uh yeah i've got a couple um i do have a couple of comics my first ever comic was item one my second ever comic was item number two now i have just recently got into conan and um, Judge Dread. Trying to find them comics are quite hard. Um, try, um, for where I live in the UK, are quite hard to come across. Yeah, you, I know you can go online and, and do it that way, but I'd rather go into a shop and look through and ask people questions. <sighs> I was in, I was in a couple of comic book stores um, the other week, and they're just so. You know these people are. The people that run these comic book stores are, are, are full of soy, weak, pathetic. It's it's just so sad to see. This I I remember when I was little and we had a comic book store shop in our town, and it was one of them. You you felt frightened to go in this store because the guy behind the counter knew everything. He was always angry but you'd respect the hell out of him. Um, he could get you this, he could get you that, he could get you anything. And I tell you what, he would probably, he probably wouldn't even piss on on any of these comic book um, places if they were on fire. Um, he would, I don't even, I, I don't, I, I was very little, so I don't know what happened to the dude. He met, hopefully he probably moved to a, a better place to open a better place, uh, better comic but the other comic book star it is people that run comic book stars you know but do a better job please there's the hundreds in the uk anyway i know there's there's comic book stars out there that are fucking just superb but i've been to i i i don't go comic book shopping that often um but the ones I do go to, they just seem very lacklustre. I look for Conan, I look for Judge Dredd, then I ask the guys, and uh, and yeah, it, it doesn't. 
No wonder anime, uh, anime is winning. <laughs> no wonder anime is winning. It's fucking kicking ass. Um, but yeah, um, so I did get into Conan and Judge Dredd. And like I say, I could go online and, and buy them comics that way. But I like again, I would like to go to a shop and purchase them that way. Um, but the shops I've been to are just crap. I did buy a Conan thing, but it's like a thick book. I don't think it's, it's, it's not a comic. I don't know what you guys call this. So it's like a thick little graphic novel book. Um, a couple of comics I do have, you know, classic comic paper and, you know, I guess you call them floppies. Um, and I, I do have a few of them, but I, I saw this Conan, it was on sale, but it was like a thick book. It's like the same like, Four quid or something daft like that. And the artwork in it looks pretty good. Um, I've not yet read it. Um, I've not had time to read it, but it does look pretty... The artwork looks pretty good. A um, couple of nice asses in it from, from the women. A couple of big old boobs. Um, yeah, it, look, it looks all right. But I don't know what you guys call them. They're thick books. What are they? Are they um, is, that, is that what a graphic novel is? I, I don't know. Someone help me out, please. But, so I'll continue article, but which are the most rare and valuable of them all? Some spoke to Martin Avery, is it Avery? Avery? Let's read it out, let's do this guy some little bit of justice. Avere. I don't think it read it out that well. Avere. Avere. Owner of Ace Comics in Essex, I may have to go there to find out more. Bear in mind, a comic is only worth what the bidder is willing to pay, but some of some are, of course, more highly sought out than others. Generally, older comics, um, the more valuable it is, uh, specifically those printed between 39 and 45 were printed on a brittle paper, meaning uh, fewer survived. Uh, but comics printed in the last few decades can fetch hundreds and sometimes thousands of pounds too. So in any case, here are the top 10 most rare and valuable comics you could stumble upon. Bear in mind, with this top 10, you are likely to find... You are, you are likely to only find them between ten and a hundred copies of them in circulation. So they are incredible, incredibly rare. So number one, Action Comics Superman story cover date June. Fucking beeping. Uh, I mean, door buzzers beeping, but it's is is. It's not knackered. It, it just does that when everyone, when anyone comes in the building, and it's like that throughout the whole building. Um, but anyway, I'll, let's get back to cover date June nineteen thirty eight, and this is the one what sold for five point two million. Look at that. That's a pretty good old. That's a nice old picture, isn't it? Superman saving the. Um, I guess a car crash. 
I don't know. <laughs> um, in June, the June 1938 Action Comics number one cover is the first time several superheroes appeared in comic, including the legendary Superman. The anthology comic was met with public fanfare and sales boomed following its release. The action comic number one um, comic is highly prized because it was the first time Superman had appeared in printed form. It has been the comic of which there are only thought to be a dozen or so copies of of it um, sell over five million previously. So number two is De- Detective Comics number twenty seven, the first Batman story, nineteen thirty nine, and this one sold for three point six million. And that's in pounds. Again, this is in pounds. So dollar-wise, I don't know how much dollars that is. Um, iconic, iconic Batman um, scene. Um, Batman swinging um, from city um, skyscraper to skyscraper with villain in hand. Um, this, uh, the 64-page detective comic, um, 27 features Batman for the first time. Similar to, so, number one, uh, the story of the Cape Crusader sold millions of copies and saw the superhero own its own comic just a year later. Um, Martin said, Detective Comics 27 is worth so much because it's the original and classic. Find one of these and you could earn a 3.6 million. So, number three is Superman, number one. And this was summer 1939, and it was sold for 2.1 million. Iconic scenes, Superman um, flying, um, dashing up in the air to to see what um, he can see, see if he can see um, where, where the pain and anguish is coming from, so he can be a hero. Another 64 pages of action in full, all in full colour. <laughs> Superman's first appearance in action comics. Number one saw him earn his own strip following the following year, so there it is. Um, but the comic itself, um, so that comic, Superman number one, um, itself comes with most, mostly reprints from the original action comic number one plus some new pages but superman's popularity around the time is enough to make this third most valuable and rare comic out there so number four so the first three have all been dc or dc characters number four is marvel uh, Marvel Comics, and this one reaches Marvel Comics number one, October nineteen thirty nine, and it reached just under a million. Um, 
The Human Torch featured for the first time in 1939. Uh, this comic features a number of notable superheroes for the first time, including the Submariner. Um, so, which is, I'm pretty sure Submariner come before Aqu Aquaman. I'm pretty sure the Submariner was before the Aquaman. Um, let me know if I've got that wrong, but I'm pretty sure the Submariner was before Aquaman because that's what Marvel and DC used to do. Um, that's how. That's why, how legendary they are. One would come out with Batman, one would come out with a, a Marvel, a DC come out with Batman and then Marvel try and up it and come out with, I can't think of the, uh, I, I can't quite think of who, uh, maybe Iron Man, maybe. Um, but Submariner, I'm pretty sure Submariner came out first and then DC had to make Aquaman. Or other way around, but I'm pretty sure Submariner was out first. Um, so the iconic Human Torch, um, the Angel and Masked Rider, made their first appearance too. So that was number four. Uh, number five is Batman number one, March 1940. This this goes for 880. Iconic of Batman and Robin swinging from side, uh, side to side, um, swinging side to side uh, through the city. A great image, actually, really good image. Um, like Superman, so the first Batman appeared in his own strip. It features um, Dark Knight and Robin um, pitted against classic en en enemies. Professor Hugo Strange and the Joker. That's number five. <coughs> number six. <coughs> it's all American comics. So I'm um, the yeah, another DC property. July nineteen forty, and this one just goes for seven hundred and eighty thousand pounds. This one is the first appearance of Green Lantern. Fans of the Green Lantern will be keen on all American comics. Number 16. This comic, uh, this comic features Green Lantern for the first time, meaning it's high-priced among collectors. There's so few of them in circulation too because the original print paper is so brittle, which we know about. So that's, that's five... No, that was number six, sorry. That was number six. I've lost myself already. Uh, so number six, number seven is Captain America, 1940. Um, that's a, a iconic scene again. Um, Captain America fighting Nazis. Um, so this 1940 issue written by uh, Joe Simon and Jack Kirkby. Kirkby, sorry, I, I know he is the legend of both DC and Marvel, Jack. Um, and it shows the, the famous Captain America for the first time, Jack Kirk, Kirby, Kirby, I think it's Kirby. He, he, is, a le he, he is a legend and 
he created some of the most iconic DC and Marvel characters. Um, the 45-page comic tells the story of the shield-clad superhero taking on the might of Adolf Hitler in the mid in the midst of World War Two. The, the original issue just sold for ten cent, um, but now it's worth up to five hundred and seventy thousand pounds. So, so I'm pretty sure that was seven. So number eight is Action Comics. Is it a trump card? I'm pretty sure it's a trump card, so it's not really a comic book, is it? Um, this edition was the first time Superman was named in the in a comic. Ah, so, so maybe they're just showing a trump card because that's the only time. Unless that's how big the comic was, I doubt it. Um, this comic features Superman... Named for the first time, making it a worthwhile purchase for collectors. It was first published in November 1938 by DC Comics. Land yourself one of these and you could uh, sell it for just over £500,000. That I've got all... So I'm pretty sure that was eight. Um, but that's one, <laughs> two, three, four, five... Six, seven, and eight. So number nine is another detective comic. So we've, we've got a pattern here. And this 1939 comic features a number of new um, of new elements for the first time, including the Batarang and the... <laughs> oh, oh, I can't... I'm, I'm going to butcher that, that fucking word. Bat Gyrocopter. <laughs> the Bat Gyrocopter. Um, the story sees Batman investigating a hypno, a hyp, hypno, hypnotist. Bloody me, my reading has en, ensnared his. Um, oh, fucking me. Um, let's read this out. Ensnared his fiance Julie Madison, who makes her first ever comic book appearance. The book was written by um, Gardner Fox and Bill Finger, <laughs> and drawn by Bob Kane and Sheldon Mordoff. Um, land yourself one of these, and you could earn up to three hundred and ninety thousand pounds. And number ten, oh, number ten is Wiz Comics. And that looks like it's got Shazam in it. And this one goes for 360. Um, this comic was published by Rivals to DC, uh, Felicity Publishers, and features Captain Marvel for the first time. Ah, Captain Marvel. So... It, it looks like the Shazam costume, so is I'm not too familiar with um, Captain Marvel slash Shazam. Um, the 64-page issue was written by Pill Parker and originally cost the readers part, um, a, 
a paltry 10 cent, but is now worth to be considerably more having sold for 360,000 pounds. So, hmm. with comics number two, copy. That's a. Oh, I, I don't have my thing on me, so paste. Hmm, interesting, interesting. But anyway, that is going to be at the gates of pop culture. I hope you enjoyed this show. I hope you enjoyed tonight's show. Um. <coughs> My throat is dry. Um, my throat is dry and I'm going to have to stand up. Um, but I hope, like I said, I just said, I hope you enjoyed tonight's show. Let me put myself big screen and I can look at myself when I'm talking. But anyway, like I said, I hope you enjoyed tonight's show. If you um, want to um, subscribe, please hit that subscribe button. If you want to smash that uh, like button, that would be appreciative too. Um, on what? On YouTube or Rumble. That'd be great. Um, let me know your thoughts in the comment section as well. Um, if you are listening to on whatever podcast provider you are listening to, please hit that follow button and please leave me a review. If you can come up with a fantastic intro, send it my way. You will be forever, um, what's the word I'm looking for? I will be forever grateful. I couldn't think of the word. I will be forever grateful and I will send you something in return um, for the pleasure, um, for your um, input. That would be awesome. So if you've got an intro or if you can, you know, think of it, if you can find something I messed up on and uh, I really completely fucked it up i will probably send you something as well um but yeah so all my contact details are in the show notes or the descriptions of these videos again hit that like and that would be absolute fantastic i still don't have an outro um but we as we somber walk away from at the gates of pop culture and and um Think of our beloved IPs and uh, characters and film franchises. The war may still be ongoing, but it does look like we are winning. I'm your host, Rare Eddie One. Until next time, peace. <laughs>